You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you're joining us for another episode. If this is your first time listening, we would like to say welcome to you, and we would encourage you to come on in and stay a while with us. Listen to what we have to say, and if you enjoy what you're hearing, we ask you to become a subscriber and download our content on a regular basis. And maybe, again, if you're a first-time listener, maybe this is the very first episode uh, that you're listening to, I would encourage you to go back and check out some of our older episodes and and uh, see the, the different content that we have out there. Uh, also, for our longtime listeners, we want to say thank you to you and, and just make sure that you understand how much we appreciate uh, you listening in and downloading and telling people about uh, the podcast means to us. So we want to say thank you, those that you that tune in each week um, and download and listen. Um, God bless you for what you, for, for being a part of the Bonefire family. And we pray that you would just uh, help us to continue to grow and to tell more people about the good news of Jesus Christ. So if you've got friends and family who haven't heard about the Bonefire podcast, uh, please uh, tell them, if you will. Well, Dad, um, I guess we need to make a, just a, a quick note here. We're sitting here in the mid part of June of 2022, and so that means that we're right here at our two-year anniversary. So we've been doing this now for for two years, started back in June of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, kind of right there in the, the height, if you will, of the pandemic, or in the early days of the pandemic, rather. And uh, so we've been going strong, and hopefully we'll continue to, uh, continue, uh, to put information out there and so uh, I know we've got some listeners that maybe have been here the entire two years. And so, again, thank you to that. And uh, if, again, your first-time listener, first episode, you've got two years of, of content that you can go back and listen to. So I'd encourage you to do that as well. Yeah, and thinking about you reminiscing about uh, us beginning two years ago, I remember something you said back then. You said, well, you know, Dad, that the typical podcast you know, has about seven episodes. I mean, they don't last very long out there. And I just give the credit and the glory to God that we've had far more than seven. The Lord's enabled us to to keep going for these two years. That's right. That's right. And, and so I've we, enjoyed doing it with you, too. Yeah, I've enjoyed it as well and uh, enjoyed uh, making some some uh, contacts here with the, the people who are listening. And uh, some of you, of course, we get to see on a regular basis at our local church and others we've seen at um, a special events like our open soccer booth that we do and, uh, and our um, – the 5k that we sponsor. So it's, it's been a great time. We're, we're striving toward the, the, the new goal. The new thing that we've got in our vision is of course, a hundred episodes and that we're not too far from that. So that's what we're, we've got our eyes set on that we'll hopefully be hitting that uh, before too long. Well, um, dad, we're going to be continuing our study on this episode, going through the book of James entitled living faith. Uh, that's what we've entitled this series. And, uh, when we left off last time, uh, we were, uh, going hot and heavy through uh, the first uh, chapter of James, and we ended up uh, needing to make that into kind of a two-part episode. So uh, today will be the second part um, of our two-part um, study, looking at how having a living faith endures trials and temptations. And our scripture text is James uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And so um, on our last episode, we, we went and discussed at length how no one is immune from trials, and even though painful, every trial that we face, God has a plan and a purpose for it. 
Uh, please don't ever mistake that you're going through something and it doesn't have a plan and a purpose. Uh, we know clearly from God's Word that uh, God uses these uh, these trials to build us, uh, to build patience and to build a character and stamina and draw us closer to Him, to redirect us, uh, to maybe uh, reveal things about us that we need to change. And so if you're going through a trial right now, just know that there is a purpose for it and that God is working and moving uh, through it. You just have to be willing to be used and to be moved by God uh, through that process. And we also talked about uh, how a living faith, when we have a living faith, that we can endure trials with joy and patience and with wisdom from God and with a proper perspective. Uh, But let's pick up today, and we're going to be picking up at verse 12 in chapter 1, where James turns his attention uh, to another T of life. If you'll remember last episode, I talked about the T's of life. That's trials, troubles, uh, tribulations, temptations. And so uh, here in verse 12, we see James kind of change his his, uh, direction of what he's talking about, and he moves from trials. He goes over to talking about temptation. Let's read, just to kind of get us started off, we'll start at verse 12 and read through uh, verse 15 here. Starting at verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say that when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot uh, be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But uh, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So again, that's through verse 15. So we're going to be talking about uh, temptation here. And what we're going to learn as we study through uh, these verses here and looking at what James has to say for us is that as believers, when we exhibit a living faith, we can endure a temptation and uh, we can endure uh, sin when we have the correct understanding of what temptation and sin means in the life of the believer. And so, Dad, if you'll start us off today, let's talk about the causes of sin and where sin and temptation come from. All right, sure. Now, where does the responsibility for sin in our lives lie? Well, many answers have been given to this question. Some people blame their circumstances. In other words, If I was in a different place or time, I wouldn't have this problem. Others blame their genes. They say, I was born this way. Now, many homosexuals use this line to excuse their lifestyle. Some blame their parents, saying that the way they were brought up caused them to engage in sinful practices. Well, the one that gets the most blame, however, is the devil. Now, back when I was a young person, Matt, there was a TV show on called Flip Wilson, Mm. and he was a black comedian and entertainer, and he would dress up, you know, like Geraldine, a church lady, and and Reverend Leroy uh, Wilson, he'd also dress up like Reverend Leroy, alias Flip Wilson. He was the pastor of the church of what's happening now, and he used to say, the devil made me do it. (laughs) Well, folks, it's easy to put the blame on the devil or our circumstances, genes, or a host of other things. But are we really right when we put the blame on things and people other than ourselves? Now, during the time in which James lived, some of the leading rabbis of the day pointed their fingers at God, so to speak, saying that God was to blame for sin. 
Now, people do the same thing today when they excuse their sinning by saying, God made me this way. Well, according to James, we should not point our fingers at anything or anyone other than ourselves, especially God. Now, James says in the first part of verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Now, here James is saying, don't go around repeating what these rabbis are saying because they're wrong. The rationale that he gave for that is very simple. You know, uh, God cannot be tempted by evil, and neither does he himself tempt anyone, is what James says in verse 13. For James, it was inconceivable how a God who could never be tempted to do wrong could tempt another to do evil. Now, some people have difficulty here reconciling what James says in this passage and what the Bible says about the temptations of Christ. After all, Jesus was God and Jesus was tempted. How can what James said here about God not being tempted and the other scripture verses relating to the temptations of Christ be reconciled? Well, you have to understand that even though God cannot be tempted, he allowed or permitted Christ to be tempted for a special purpose, and that was to prove that he could not sin. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, a radio minister of days gone by, he tells this little story that relates to this. Years ago, when he was growing up, he lived in a little town in Texas that was near the Bravos River. In the summertime, Dr. McGee said that there wasn't enough water in that river to rust a single nail. But in the wintertime, when it began to rain, the water would get so deep you could almost float a battleship. One year, Dr. McGee said, a flood washed away the wooden bridge on which the Santa Fe Railroad crossed the river. After this happened, the wooden bridge, he said, was replaced by a steel bridge. Well, after the workers got finished working on the steel bridge, the railroad company brought in two locomotives one day, stopped them on top of the bridge, and tied down both whistles. When they did this, Dr. McGee said that he and all 22 of the people in that little town ran down to see what was happening. One of the braver townsmen asked the engineer, What are you doing? And the engineer replied, Well, we built this bridge, and we're testing it. To that, the townsman said, Why? Do you think it's going to fall down? The engineer then drew himself up to full height and said, Of course it's not going to fall down. We're proving it won't fall down. Folks, for the same reason, Jesus was tested to prove that you and I have a Savior that cannot sin. Over in John fourteen thirty, Jesus said, For the prince of this world cometh and found nothing in me. This means that there is no evil or sin in Jesus Christ. The devil can find something in me, but he couldn't find any desire to do evil in Jesus. Jesus proved that he was above temptation when after the devil gave it his best shot to get Jesus to sin, Jesus didn't give in. Now, I want you to think about this. Temptation comes because we see something that we don't have, that we think that we need. Well, God is perfect. He needs nothing else. He is complete within himself. There's nothing within God that needs fulfillment, satisfaction, or gratification. God is whole. His happiness is perfect. He needs nothing else. Well, it's illogical to think that one that cannot be tempted would tempt others. And what's more, 
Why would God who wants to save men and deliver men from their sins want to get men to sin more? God doesn't tempt us. He may allow us to be tempted, but he does not tempt. And even though he may allow us to be tempted according to the Bible, he will never allow us to be tempted above measure. In other words, above which he has given us the capacity to withstand. Now, according to James, you can't justly blame your sins on God. No man is ever driven to sin by the circumstances in which God has placed him. The poor man cannot blame his dishonesty or poverty uh, on poverty. The drunkard cannot blame his drunkenness on the associates who gave him his first drink. Uh, folks, let's never excuse our wrongdoing by blaming the providence of God. There's absolutely nothing in the divine nature that responds to evil. God is righteous, hence he leads only in the paths of righteousness, according to Psalm 23, 3. Well, if God is not responsible for your sin, who is to blame for your sin? Well, I'll tell you who you are. You are responsible. Listen to what James says in verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. A man got lost in the hills of Arkansas back in the days of the Model T Ford. He lost his way, and there was no highway markings. Not knowing where he was at, he came into a little small town and saw little boys playing there. He asked one of them, where am I? The little fellow looked at him puzzled just for a minute. Finally, he pointed at the man with his finger and said, there you are. <laughs> Folks, when you ask, who tempted me to do this? God says, there you are. It's in your own skin. That is where the problem is. God might allow temptation. Circumstances may make temptation more appealing. But sin comes when a person is, according to James, carried away and enticed by his own, quote, own lust. Now, the Greek words for carried away and enticed are hunting and fishing terms. A fish is attracted to a bait because there's something within the nature of the fish that makes it appealing. Once he takes hold of the bait, he's caught because there's a hook in the bait. We can say those that get on drugs today are hooked. Now, before we move on, I want you to see something. Even though it was the desire and the bait together that caused the fish to get hooked, had the fish had no desire, well, the bait would not have attracted the fish. When you get right down to it, the devil has part in contributing to our sinning, but he doesn't take the bait for us. We do that on our own because of our own lust. Well, we've seen who's to blame for our sins. It is us. Uh, we are the cause. Well, you know, after the cause of sin, you know, uh, Matt, Tell us about the course, the, the progression of sin. That's right. And, you know, really the, the pathway to sin um, has four phases. And, you, Dad, you kind of touched on a couple of them there, but we'll go back and, and talk about them. The first is desire. And if we look at verse 14 again, it says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now, that's a uh, term desire, you know, 
means routine desires, but it also means um, our, our, our runaway desires. And see, Satan loves to take our routine desires and turn them into runaway desires. And these runaway desires are better known as lust. And it's when we try to satisfy these runaway desires that we find ourselves pursuing things outside of God's will and his way. And that's ultimately where we end up getting in to trouble. The, the second phase that we have uh, in, in this course of sin is deception. And uh, Dad, you talked about deception there, verse 14, two key words there that we can key off of or phrases is one, to be drawn away, and two, to be enticed. That word drawn away means to be snared in a trap. Enticed means to be lured by bait. And Satan uses various kinds of bait to lure the unsuspecting soul into his trap. And he oftentimes uses bait that corresponds to our desires. You know, what's so deceptive about bait is that it hides the consequence. And, Dad, you were talking about uh, fishing. And uh, you know, I was as I was studying this, I was thinking about, I uh, gave a, a talk to our men's group. It's now been probably almost two years ago or, or more. And uh, I brought my fishing rod to that that uh, talk I was doing. And on the end of my fishing rod, I had a spinner bait on it. Mm-hmm. And to me, the spinner bait is probably one of the most uh, beautiful and kind of unique baits that's out there. And for those of you that are not fishers, I'll try to explain it as best I can uh, using just words. But if you can imagine this lure that's on the end of my fishing line there, and most spinner baits have uh, one or two uh, pieces of metal that'll be curved or cut. And, uh, and those are called spoons many times. And uh, as that lure goes through the water and you're reeling that lure in, those pieces of metal, they turn around and they flip and it causes vibrations in the water. And that vibrations uh, attract fish. They're also very shiny and bright. And so as the sun is shining down on the water and these pieces of metal are turning around, they glimmer and they flash and they create uh, beams of light in the water. And then the bottom part of the spinnerbait, it, it's kind of made to look like a, a fish, if you will. So there's a, a little fish head there, a little bait head there on it uh, for like a small maybe minnow or something that may be uh, there in, in that body of water. And then there's what's called the skirt. And the best way to describe a skirt is like a if you've watched a Hawaiian uh, person, you know, dance, they have grass skirts, right? Mm. And that grass skirt has all those little pieces of straw that come off of it. Well, that's what a skirt on a, a spinnerbait looks like is it's got these plastic uh, uh, little strips that come off of it. And the purpose of those plastic strips are to, as they go through the water, of course, they create uh, their own kind of visual effect. But what they do is they hide the hook that's, that's right. up under that skirt. And so that hook is not visible. And so as that bait goes through the water and the fish around it see that those bright flashing lights and the vibration coming from the spinner bait, and they see the colorful colors of the skirt, they think, man, that's got to be tasty. And then they go after it and then they bite into it. And before they know it, uh, they, they find the consequence. And that consequence is that they've got a hook in their jaw. And, and uh, it, it's, it seems like a simple analogy, but it's so true for the way that Satan works. Um, he, he does like to put bait out in front of us and he dangles it. And that bait is based off of maybe those uh, runaway desires that we may have. Again, some of which were, were good normal desires, but Satan causes those desires to be on overdrive and to, to really go beyond their normal means. And then we begin to, to go outside of God's will and his way. And we go after this bait and ultimately that's when we find ourselves hooked in the jaw uh, by uh, Satan's bait. If we're not careful, 
Uh, as believers, we can be deceived uh, by our own desires and caught in sin. Dad, the, the third phase that we, we look at in that course of sin is uh, disobedience. And if we look at verse 15 and read that together there, it says, Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. Uh, the first part of that verse is where we want to key on here, and that's that phrase of when uh, desire conceives uh, and then it gives birth over to sin. And uh, so it's disobedience. It's, it's one, uh, when it talks about desire being conceived, that's in our mind. It's us mm-hmm. thinking about it. Uh, just like a, a, a child that's born is conceived and is in the womb and it's there, but it's not fully alive and, a, and an infant outside the womb. Same thing is said with sin. Sin is in our head and in our heart. And it sits there, and if we don't get it out and get it confessed, ultimately it'll lead us to acting upon that uh, sin. And that's where our disobedience comes in, where we're going against what God's will and His way is, and we take an action. And it's that action that ultimately gives a birth to a sin. And then the fourth phase, Dad, is technically the consequences of sin. And, mm-hmm. and that's one that I imagine many of our listeners know a very, uh, very well themselves uh, is that the consequence of sin, as we see in verse 15, is the consequence of sin is death. Uh, James says, then when di- desires have conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. We know the Bible says over in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. And if you'll take it all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, when um, we had Adam and Eve and they were living there in the Garden of Eden, they were created to be uh, beings that would commune and have a relationship with God. Uh, they were created uh, to be eternal. And uh, and ultimately what happened is sin came into the equation. Uh, Satan uh, brought out a lure and he used that lure and the desire uh, for Eve to be like God and, and ultimately Adam to be like God. And with that, they took part of that sin and uh, the curse from that sin is death. That from there forward, uh, we have death that comes into the picture. That's not only a physical death, but the Bible speaks about also a spiritual death. And uh, that's the second death, and that's when we have to be separated from God from all eternity. So four phases of sin, desire, deception, disobedience, and then the last consequence, um, or the fourth phase there, is bringing forth death. But Dad, you know, we don't have to to be uh, victims or fall prey to temptation and sin. We can be champions over sin, and uh, you got a couple ways that we can do that. Oh, that's right. That's right. The first thing, if we're going to be a champion over sin, is that we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I mean, if you're going to champion over sin, you've got to keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what the devil likes to do is distract us. Now, you were talking about that spinnerbait, you know, and, and how, you know, it spins in the water and it makes a noise. Uh, you know, the fish is just swimming around minding his own business. But that bait was put in that water with that spinnerbait to distract the fish, you see. And so we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus we got to be looking at the finish line where our Master, our Lord Jesus Christ, is standing, pulling, cheering for us to finish the course that we're on and focus 
focus, keep our focus on him. And we can keep our focus on his word too and and keep our focus on serving him. We keep our focus on him and and realize that Satan's got these billboards, these things to distract us, but we've got to keep straight ahead. You know, when you're driving down the road in the car on an interstate, there's all kind of billboards, you know, advertising, well, there's a Cracker Barrel up ahead, and then right after that, there's another one advertising that the pizza place is locally. I mean, if you just rode down and you just read all of those billboards and took your eyes off the road, you're going to veer into somebody else's lane. You're going to, you're going to have an accident yourself. You, you've got to keep your eyes ahead and looking ahead. That's what they tell you. If you're taking your driver's test, that person that's giving you the test would be checking to make sure you're looking ahead. Well, remember, I want you to think about Peter. Remember in the scripture that Jesus came walking on the water while the disciples were in a boat and he invited Peter to get out of the boat and walk on the water too. And Peter was just a normal man. And he was walking on water as long as he had his eyes on Jesus. But the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and put them on the wind and the waves, he began to sink. And he had to cry out, help me, Lord. That's right. Well, that's a good example right there. Keeping your focus on Jesus, your eyes on him. Uh, second, if you are going to be a champion over sin, you've got to F, you got to fight. Now, James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, uh, back during the time that uh, James wrote this epistle, this letter, I mean, Roman soldiers were... Uh, they were everywhere, and then, and uh, they were keeping they were keeping charge. They were sort of like uh, holding everybody at bay. Uh, they were always ready for war. They had on their armor. They were ready for fighting. Well, over in Ephesians six eleven, the apostle Paul tells us as Christians, he lets us know we're in a spiritual fight with our enemy, the devil. And he tells us in Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you've got to fight, resist the devil. Uh, here's another word. If you're going to be a champion over sin, you've got to keep your focus on Jesus. You've got to fight. And then the third, flee. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul said, flee also youthful lust. And uh, Genesis 39, 12 says that when Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, Joseph left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so, you know, Sometimes instead of standing toe-to-toe with temptation, I mean, you be prepared to fight, but if you can avoid the fight, you just get out, you just get out of the way. In other words, if there's a, a, some woman that is in your office, uh, the secretary, and, and uh, she's appealing to you and she's stroking your ego, you stay out of her office. You know, uh, you, you flee when those times of temptations come. Fourth, a fellowship, if you're going to be a champion Overseeing fellowship, Second Timothy two twenty two, Paul says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace uh, with those who call on the Lord. You know, one way to to champion over sin is is just stay in fellowship, with God's people. You know, go to church. God didn't mean for you to be a long range Christian. 
And, you know, sometimes you go to church, you get those accountability partners and people ask you the hard questions. You know, you've been keeping your, your eyes on the Lord this week. You've been keeping your mind pure. Uh, you know, you're going to be assets. You'll, you'll be more, uh, you have more of a tendency to keep your eyes on Jesus. First Corinthians 15, 33, Paul said, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. So if you're going to champion over sin, you hang around uh, people that are serving God. And then finally, feed. Uh, Psalm 119.11 says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And over in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, Christ defeated Satan by quoting the Old Testament. His reply was always introduced, his reply to Satan, it is written. So uh, you need to feed on the Word. Just put the Word in your heart, the Word of God, and and uh, and bone up on the Word and think about the Word and uh, hide that Word in your heart. If you do these things, if you focus on Jesus, if you... If you fight, resist the devil, you flee anytime you can when temptations come in your way and you fellowship with God's people, the right kind of people that's encouraging, and then you feed on the word, then you can be a champion over sin and temptation. That's right, Dad. So we've uh, talked about how having a living faith allows us to overcome and endure uh, uh, temptation. Um, by by those things that we just talked about there, Dad. And then the last thing I want us to look at, we're going to go over verses 16 and 18 and uh, and, uh, and look at how a living faith allows us to uh, really overcome trials and temptation uh, with an awareness of God's goodness. And so let's look at verses 16 through 18 here. Uh, verse, starting at verse 16, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. So James switches his focus here. He's no longer talking about trials and temptations, but now he's talking to us about the goodness of God. Amen. Uh, Dad, you covered uh, that God doesn't tempt us with evil, but these verses here tell us rather that he gives us good gifts. He doesn't give us evil. In fact, the Bible tells us that every good thing in our life is a gift from our loving Heavenly Father. But you see, Dad, uh, the Satan, the old uh, deceiver himself, we talked about him being a, a deception there when we were talking about um, our, our times during uh, temptation. Uh, he tries to convince us that our Father is holding out on us. Uh, he doesn't really love us or care for us. Remember, this was his approach with Eve in the Garden of Eden. Remember, he came to him and he said, you know, God's holding back on you. You can be like God because he just he just didn't want you to be like him. And ultimately, that's what lured her in to, to sin and ultimately Adam as well. But the awareness of the goodness of God can be a barrier to temptation. It's like a life jacket when you uh, are facing those storms in life that we've been talking about. Because when you begin to realize that, uh, hey, all of this other stuff that, that's evil or bad or not good for me, that's not of God. We mm -hmm. talked about in our last episode that, I think it was that last episode we talked about, that not every open door uh, is meant for, for it to be an open door from God. Mm -hmm. uh, that there are, there are definitely deceits and, and uh, temptations that Satan puts in our way to, to distract us, as we talked about there. And so awareness that only the good things come from God helps us here. James reminds his readers about four facts of the goodness of God. He tells 
tells us that God only gives good gifts. Again, no evil with him. He says that the way God gives is good, meaning that his his way of giving is righteous. He gives con- continuously or constantly. He never uh, stops giving, and God does not change. He, he's not going to take a gift back. He's not going to give you something and then remove that from you. Uh, he, he is a giver of all things good. But James didn't just stop there. Uh, he said, let me just tell you how good you have it. Remember, he's talking to Christians. These are those Jewish Christians that are uh, spread out. And I want you to look at verse 18 here. Uh, to me, verse 18 is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. Uh, there's many, but this is one of them for me. It says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be the first but that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You see here, it was God's plan. Uh, it was God's will that he would bring us forth through his word of truth. And dad, when I think about that word of truth, uh, obviously it's talking about God's word, but I think it also is, we're talking about Jesus here as well, right? Because Mm -hmm. Jesus is referred to as the word. He's also the way, the truth and the life. And so it was God's will that he, he looked down on humanity and said, you know, humanity's in a mess. Uh, They've fallen into the curse of sin. And, uh, you know, God could have given up on us. He Mm could have said, you know what, I'm just going to scrap this whole earth and these humans, and I'm going to start over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would have been well within his right to do that because of right. the sin that we we went under. But instead, it was his will that he said, I'm going to make a way that they can be made whole. And that was, again, through the word of truth, bringing forth God's word so that we would know our condition. We would know right from wrong. We could know what God's will is. And then bringing forth Jesus uh, to be the living word of truth, uh, to take the penalty for our sin on Calvary so that we could be saved, so that we could be the first fruits of his creation. And that term, first fruits of his creation, is talking about the highest prize of his creation. And that's pretty cool mm-hmm. that the God who created everything that we see around us, uh, the, the birds, the trees, the, the sky, the oceans, uh, all the stars, the sun, the moon, everything, uh, to him, you and I are his best thing that he's ever created. Yeah. You think about the beauty of the mountains that we have around us here, Dad. We've got a great mountain view just behind us. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be down at the shore uh, of South Carolina, beautiful uh, shore. Uh, there's all kinds of beautiful places all over this this uh, globe. And you would think, man, that's a masterpiece that God made there. But in God's eyes, we are the first fruits of his creation. We're the best thing that he created. That's you and me. He loved us so much. Uh, that he uh, made us a way that we could be made right and then restore mm-hmm. us to that first fruits of his creation. You know, Matt, you were talking about uh, we're his masterpiece. That made me think about the the scripture verse for Vacation Bible School, our Bible school that we had at our church last week. Our scripture verse for the whole week was Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where Paul says, For we are his workmanship. In other words, his masterpiece, his poem created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yes, if you're listening out there today, uh, God created you with your talents and gifts and you're his masterpiece and he wants you to work for him. That's exactly right. And so uh, to the Christian that's listening, I hope that this episode will be uh, useful to you to, to understand that temptation is out there. 
and that even as a believer, uh, temptation is very real, and it's a, it's going to come to us from time to time. But we gave you some examples and uh, some some teaching here from the book of James of how we can withstand temptation and avoid falling into the traps of sin. And then those of you that are listening that may not be believers, understand that uh, you're in the traps of sin right now, and you may not know it, but the old devil, he's done put some chains around you. He's uh, tied you up in ropes, and he thinks he's got you. Uh, but ultimately, you can be freed from your sin, and that's uh, what verse 18 is all about, that the word of truth was brought forth, the living word of truth being Jesus came, and he lived. He lived a perfect life. Uh, he wasn't. He was tempted, but he didn't sin. Uh, he was a perfect creature, and perfectly God and perfectly man at the same time, and he went to an old rugged cross on Calvary. He died. He shed his blood for you and me that that uh, that that penalty or the consequence that we talked about of sin, death, he took that for us. He paid it in full. And if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did there on the cross at Calvary and turn from all of our wickedness and follow after him, we'll be given eternal life. And uh, we'll be able to spend our rest of our life with him. We'll avoid that second death, uh, which is that spiritual death, separation from God forever. So I would encourage you, if you haven't made a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ, um, I would ask you to do that today. Uh, It's the best decision that you will ever make. It's the most important decision that you will ever make. And um, it's something that I think all uh, people at some point in their life have to consider uh, what it, what this book means, what the Bible means, what Jesus means, uh, where are they going to spend eternity? Those are questions that you haven't asked yourself. You need to ask yourself and examine your life and compare to the, the things that we've been teaching here on the Bonfire Podcast, and then hopefully make the decision to put Jesus number one in your life and make him Lord of your life and be saved today. So if you uh, make that decision, we would encourage you to reach out to us. If you need help uh, making that decision or if you need prayer or if you say, hey, I've made that decision, what do I do next? We would love to help you uh, through that process. So you reach out to us and uh, myself or dad, one of the two of us, we'll get back to you and we'll help you through that process and get you pointed in the right direction. So um, dad, I enjoyed the episode today. When we pick up next time, we'll be continuing through chapter one, probably finishing out chapter one. So I'd encourage all of our listeners to be uh, reading and studying along with us. Uh, we'll probably be back in a couple weeks. I think we got some vacation time coming up here that may throw us off a little bit. Uh, but uh, there's plenty of content out there for the last two years that you can go listen to in the meantime. And then, of course, be studying here in the book of James uh, as we return. So, Dad, if you will, pray us out of here. Our Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We're glad that you love us. We always are. Father in heaven, I I pray, oh God, for those that's listening uh, out to this podcast that have been undergoing uh, great trials and temptation. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help them to understand uh, that they don't have to succumb to temptation, Lord. Uh, We have given them as best we can from the Word of God today some some good, clear advice about what to do and what to take uh, to avoid giving in to sin. Now, Lord, we know that Satan is going to work on us. He's going to work on us, and he's going to work on the people that's listening to this podcast. He doesn't give up. But, Father, help us to keep our focus on you and to fight and to flee when we can and to fellowship with others, Lord, and uh, just fellowship with dear Christians that we might be strong in the Lord. And if there's someone that's not a Christian out there that happened 
to listen to this podcast, help them to realize, Lord, that uh, they need to turn from their sin and put their faith in what Jesus has done to pay the penalty for their sin that they might go free. And Lord, out of gratitude to turn away from those old sins that caused Jesus to go to the cross, that they might serve him. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.